Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Happy Monday, everybody. I've got some audio here that I want to play from a couple of different stories. But first, this one comes from Loudoun County, Virginia. And again, if you're unfamiliar with Loudoun County, uh, this is one of many school districts in Virginia and frankly across the nation that really is just a cesspool of immorality. And um, they're very well known, unfortunately, for changing the names of many of their schools. Well, they were slave owners, so we have to change the name and this, that, and the other. And they spend so much time taking Thomas Jefferson's name off of a school and the money that it costs to, to, to remove those names by just calling them racists. Again, instead of learning about who they actually were, and how they fought for the very freedom that we all are supposed to have in this country. Um, unfortunately now, in this particular case, Loudoun County school board members are getting shouted at by teachers for a middle school book that is being offered on Amazon Kids titled Monday's Not Coming. And that's C-O-M-I-N-G, not the sexual version. Uh However, the book itself apparently is filled with pornographic passages, and this is required reading. So I'm going to play this audio here of the parents who are holding up pages of the book on giant, uh, giant boards, and they're reading off these passages to a, to a school board, and then again to the Loudoun County School Board. And then at the end here, after uh, the audio is done, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of break this down a little bit. Uh, I looked it up on Amazon. It's certainly, I would say the book is certainly uh, deceptive in in the in its description. Um, in particular, on the back of the book, it it makes it sound like it's a kind of a murder mystery kind of book between two friends. Uh, but anyway, I'm gonna go ahead and play this, and here we go. I came home early from babysitting and see her coming out of some car in these tight ass little shorts, talking fast telling me she's about to leave me. I grab her by the neck and start punching her. She wanted to be all big and bad, trying to face me like a grown-ass woman. She gonna get beat like a grown woman. She started screaming, cursing at me, and carrying on. I threw her in the closet for a couple of days. She kept on screaming, begging to be let out, begging for water. Every time she made too much noise, I'd walk in and kick her. Jasper wasn't even my boyfriend, just this dude I did some hacking with once in a while. He was pretty basic library systems, low security Not in my league at all, but he had a big and sometimes a girl just needs a big I tiptoed toward the door, peering through the window at the boy, his pants around his ankles squeezed between April's straddled legs as she lay on top of the teacher's desk. I gripped his arms and flipped him around, pushing him against the wall. His eyes widened, mouth dropping. Hey, what are you doing? He chuckled nervously. I took a deep breath before dropping on my shaky knees, the ground cold. Me and Monday, we did something. We did do something. He took a deep breath. She sucked my I really didn't want it to happen. It just kind of did. Her top lip curled up. Wait a minute. Is that what's really going on? She did your homework and you ate her Is that why you're crying? Because Monday's not around to do your homework no more. 
I kept dancing, lost in the music, until some boy pushed me up behind me, holding my hips, and I froze. Looking to Megan for help, she nodded and mouthed, It's okay. It's cool. This is what girls do at parties, I told myself, and kept dancing with the boy. I couldn't see the alcohol making my waist wind faster. I heard a lot of the ladies from my group. They talked about f***ing. They talked about f***ing. They talked about Looking by show of hands, does anyone up here want to talk about that stuff now? Not a single hand because it's very uncomfortable and we're in a room full of adults. Nobody outside, nobody inside wants to talk about it because they're not acceptable topics. How did we get these un unacceptable topics? Well, one, you didn't follow your procurement policies when you bought $1.8 million worth of these trash books. If you had followed your procurement policies, then you would have done a curriculum review where I hope and pray that at least the majority of you would have said, no, we can't read this trash to our kids. Your own code of conduct says that this is sexual harassment. We know it because all of us would be fired from our day jobs if we said this crap at work. This is the definition of a hostile work environment. My kids don't go to your crap schools, but theirs do, and they are filing these harassment suits on their behalf. Thank you for not doing your jobs. Okay. The last male speaker there hit the nail right on the head when it came to using the district's policy against the district itself. It's arguably one of the easiest things to do. He was running through the codes of conduct, their contractual obligations. And again, for an entire year now, almost every single school district that has been doing the things that they've been doing. And I'm going to get back to the book book part of it here in a minute. But again, when it comes to the mask and the abuse, and, and, and as I've said in the past, the shower curtains and the, and the mask wearing, they're all in breach of contract because all of that is child abuse. That's number one. When it comes to this kind of literature, quote unquote, which isn't literature, it's poor English, it's slang, it's clearly a perverted book, it's, it's telling whatever stories it's telling, because I haven't read it, so I'm not going to judge it too much. However, you can't have that many parents coming up and, and, and saying those things and not having read it themselves. So I'm certain that they've read it themselves and they know exactly what's in it. But for a district to spend that much money on that book, that would indicate that not only do they know what's in the book, the district officials... But it's more proof that they don't care about your students. And they're not the only school district to probably buy that book. They're not the only county to buy it or books like it. This is also one of the problems why the classics aren't being read anymore in school. And as the article points out, you know, they get rid of books like Huckleberry Finn or Dr. Seuss or this, that, and the other because they scream racism. But that kind of word usage within books is 100% acceptable to these people. So it's, uh, it's clearly the height of hypocrisy. There's no doubt about that. But again, the hypocrite does not care about the opinions and the facts from other individuals who have the counterpoint. And again, middle schoolers reading that is 100% unnecessary. Now the next move that I made, because I wanted to see where this book was and what it looked like and uh, just do my best to figure out a few other things about this particular book. I, I simply went over to Amazon and I checked it out and I saw it and 
again, it's titled Monday's Not Coming by Tiffany D. Jackson. There are a lot of reviews for this book. Most of them, it says 81% are five stars. Now, again, some of the things here about Amazon that people need to keep in mind is, is you should never take these reviews seriously. And I mean that from all aspects and from, from both sides, so to speak. Amazon manipulates their reviews constantly. I mean, this is, this is actually a very well-known thing. In particular, if the book is considered very radical or even inappropriate. So, as far as the reviews are concerned, the date of the article where I just played that audio was May 13th. All of the reviews, all the, the negative reviews for this book are one-star reviews. And they all come usually after, well, most of them come on May 14th, May 15th. Yeah, May 14th and May 15th. There's a couple of verified purchases where a person bought this back in April 14th, or April 14th is when they made their review. And then another person made a review on January 29th of this year. It could be that people are getting over here and, and you know, having read the article and, and heard exactly the audio that I just played and they're making the negative comments because of that. And again, they get to do that, rightfully so. I'm not, I'm not defending the book, and I'm certainly not defending the, the author by any stretch of the imagination. It's completely inappropriate, and that's what a lot of the reviews say. And then what's even better, I think, is uh, uh, the verified purchase uh, reviews basically just talk about what a poorly written book it is. How the story doesn't make any sense, the author is garbage, and this, that, and the other. I mean, I, I find that to be even more funny. Uh, for those of you who are interested, however, in the symbolism aspect of particular things, and I pay attention to symbolism and graphics because it's everywhere, and once you start learning about the symbolism and the graphics, it becomes very suspicious, and, and um, the antenna go up a little bit, and my spidey senses tingle here. The author has decided to put on the cover picture of this book, and you can see it yourself when you when you bounce over to Amazon, and I recommend you do, and, and just take a look at it. But there's a, I would assume it's one of those award stickers, or one of those stickers that uh, when a book receives an award of some kind or some recognition, an author might put the sticker on the, on the face of the book, um, even for promotional purposes, just to sort of include as a digital picture so that they can see that they're either part of some some group or some club or they've received some award. The, the picture image that they have here for, I, I, again, I'm assuming it's some book award, is very uh, maniacal looking. And it's a pyramid with a circle behind it, which kind of looks like a Stargate kind of thing with what almost looks like a skull, but it's not a skull. And it's got uh, just this very Illuminati-looking image on the front of it. That's a red flag. Again, for those of us that pay attention to symbolism, it's a, it's a red flag. So this person, again, is receiving recognition for, for this book. You know, good for them. But when it comes to the appropriate nature of the book for, for children... The answer is no. It's not appropriate. Again, just based on what the parents just said right there, may not be indicative of the entire book, but the point is, why are they reading this book? 
what deal does Tiffany Jackson have with people within that district? And again, one of the things that takes place, which is really unfortunate, is that in many cases, all it takes is one person in a district to read one book like this, and then that one book becomes policy. It becomes the widely spread, if you teach language arts or reading at this level, you have to teach this book. We're going to give you copies of this book for an entire class set, and you're going to read it. Again, what, what school teachers aren't thinking about, and clearly board members and superintendents, etc., aren't thinking about, is the English language and the importance of the English language. They need to learn English. They need to learn how to speak English correctly. And you do that by reading excellent written English. I was going to say excellently. I don't think that's a word. But they need to read appropriate English in the written word, and that will help them speak English correctly. It's the only way. It's the only way I know. Because if we're only learning English because of our our company or the people that are around us, that's not enough. We have to read nonfiction. I prefer historic nonfiction books because that really is how English is written. Go back and read a book from over 100 years ago, 200 years ago. That's English. This is not. This is inner city slang that won't benefit the person both today or in the future because if they start to speak the way that these authors are writing in these books, they'll adopt that language and that cadence in their voice and it will pervert their own sense of what they think the English language is. So again, I'm taking it a step further than than what the parents did. And again, what the parents did should be applauded, and rightfully so. They're bringing it to the attention of the entire public and the entire nation, that there's perverted language within this book. I'm just taking it a step further and saying this book has no place, not just because of that. It has no place because it's not well-written English. And it needs to be well-written English, and that's what children should be reading. That's why I like the McGuffey readers, for individuals that are learning how to read. And even the the um, final volumes of the McGuffey readers, you, you, you talk about well-written English. That's the way the English language is supposed to be spoken and written. That's why they are considered the model. But again... When it comes to school districts now, they would say, oh, that's just old. Well, that's old and out of touch. So it's time for us to reinvent the wheel. Therein lies the problem right there. Okay, this next story is something, again, that was very predictable and something that is happening now, in particular toward the end of the school year here, with uh, a high amount of regularity, I would say, and it's not unique in just one school district or one state, but this comes from the Gateway Pundit, and it's titled, New York School District Says Students Must Show Proof of Vaccination or Negative COVID Test to Attend Prom and Graduation. So now they're not letting students attend their own graduation if they can't show that they've taken the jab or that they've taken a test that has a 90% failure rate or inconsistent rate. 
Because again, the COVID tests don't test for COVID. Now, why is that the case? Well, because the inventor of the PCR test says it doesn't test for viruses. So what is it testing for exactly? Well, it's testing for things that are already in the person's system. Not to mention, I don't know if you know this or not, I'm sure many of you do, is that the COVID tests themselves are labeled as positive and negative on the label. So when a person takes one and crams that thing in their nose or in their face, which is loaded with carcinogens, I might add, at the very end of the tip, um, and it has no business being in the back of, of one's head, they're, they're labeled as being a positive or negative test on the outside of the wrapper. And I've seen many of those pictures. I'm assuming they're real, but anyway, that's, that's, another, that's another thing for another time. Uh, I'm just going to read through this very quickly because, again, this is just one of the other dividing lines. And I find it absolutely hilarious that these school districts actually think that students are so wrapped up in what the school wants that they actually believe that students want to attend a prom or want to attend a graduation. I mean, let's think back to when we were in school. And again, I'm almost 40 years old, but let's think backwards in time here. The, the vast majority of students that I went to school with, and juniors and seniors were allowed to go to prom if they wanted to, the vast majority of students didn't go. They just didn't go because they didn't care. And I was one of those students. I didn't go. I didn't care. I'm not saying that you can't go if you don't want to. Whatever. It's your call. It's a, you know, it's an activity. It's a school-related activity. Me personally, I wasn't a school-related activity kind of guy. I just wasn't. I, I detested them. Uh, graduation, same thing. I, I would have, I would have, it would have been just fine 100% for me to not go to my high school graduation. I didn't enjoy it. Uh, was told to go. Okay, fine, no problem. And I went, and there was that. But if I had the option to not go, I, I, I would have, uh, I would have not gone. Not to mention, I got my car keyed in the parking lot, which sucked. And I know who did it, and I hope they rot in hell. Okay, that's another story for another time as well. It was a 1982 El Camino Supersport. I love that car. Ah, I love that car. Okay. It was gorgeous, too. Um, Two-tone, brown, beige. It was excellent. Super fast. Anyway, so this New York school district, Messina Central High School in New York is requiring students to show proof of vaccination or negative COVID test in order to attend prom or graduation. The school's principal, Alan C. Oliver, has given seniors a deadline for getting the vaccine in order to be clear to attend. Now you have a principal playing doctor. This has to be, again, a contractually breaking activity or demand of some kind. This has to be illegal. You cannot have a school principal say, I won't let you do this unless you inject yourself with this. And again, the irony with all of this is that schools have spent a century telling children to not take drugs and to not be peer pressured into taking drugs. And now what are schools doing? The exact opposite of their own instruction. They've been doing it for a very long time now. Way beyond just this past year, 
They've been doing it with lots of different things, like the book story I brought up earlier. They consider that to be appropriate, just like they consider this to be appropriate. Again, it's just one, it's one immoral example after another that proves that places like this are cesspools. It says, quote, The prom is scheduled for June 12th. Graduation has been scheduled for June 25th with a rain date of June 26th. Anyone attending those events must show proof of vaccination or negative COVID-19 testing. Mr. Oliver said if students wanted to be vaccinated, they had the choice of three types, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. Each had its own timeline that needed to be followed. This is an abomination. It's an absolute abomination. I'm not going to keep... Uh, uh, well, okay, I'll, I'll read this last part. It says, quote, regardless, this is from the actual, uh, the principal here, Mr. Oliver, the anointed one. It says, quote, regardless, no matter what you choose, if your family chooses vaccination, you really don't have a lot of time to wait. This is something you need to be considering, that you need to be considering doing right now because of the time frames involved in the vaccination, Mr. Oliver said. Principals are not doctors. They're just not. And unfortunately, there's a lot of doctors out there that call themselves doctors, and they're not doctors either. So therein lies the problem. Here's the last thing. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people saw this as well. It was certainly on Gab and Telegram and, again, Gateway Pundit. But it says, shocking video, insane teacher berates vaccinated student for not wearing a mask, calls him a jerk, tells him nobody likes him. I'm going to play the audio of that and break that down very quickly. Here we go. I don't care if you're vaccinated, you little pig. Okay. I don't want to get sick and die. Okay. There's okay. other people you can infect just because you're vaccinated. You know what? You're not a special person around here. You should hear about how everybody talks about you. You're I don't a know how jerk. Talk to me. I don't care how people You're talk. a jerk. Okay. And you need to have respect for other people in your life. I wish I could say that that kind of behavior is unusual for school teachers, and it isn't. It's not unusual. Um, first of all, this teacher's having a breakdown. There's no doubt about it. Teachers get wrapped up way too much in the dealings of what goes on with students, and yes, they should be observant, but... Uh, when she's attacking his character and and going after him personally, that's a fireable offense. It's it's beyond a fireable offense. She name calls, tells him to wear his mask, blah blah blah, and then says, of course, he's going to kill people, which is absurd. So she's fully brainwashed, but she's doing the very thing that she's claiming he's doing. Again, full blown brainwashing. Not to mention. And no offense, but this woman is at least 350 pounds. She's wearing, um, I don't know, I'm not even going to talk about what she's wearing. But she's not exactly the model of peak health. And I don't think it's him that's going to get anybody killed, because that's not how this whole thing works. Take the mask off of your face, breathe air, and heaven forbid, you know, eat right and go for a walk. That's all you have to do. It's not difficult, but again, this is what happens when the business starts to crumble the mind of, of a person 
on top of all of the outside influences and brainwashing and propaganda that takes place. Again, I'm not making excuses for her. She should be fired. And here's why. She's done, again, all of the contractually uh, breaking habits, uh, essentially, that, that exist. She's name-calling a student. It's being filmed. Now everybody can see it. She doesn't seem to understand it's being filmed. she probably would say that she didn't care in her fit of rage. Um, she's, she's singling out a student for absolutely no reason, but this kind of thing has been happening long before a year ago, long before the mask wearing. It's really inappropriate, and there's no way that, that this person can re-enter that building or that district or any school for that matter, um, and expect any kind of respect from anyone around them. They'll never have it. They'll just never, ever have it anymore. And that really, I mean, that's a big, big deal. This person is should be out of a job and, and should never teach again. I'm not making excuses for their behavior whatsoever. I don't care if they're brainwashed. I don't care if they had a breakdown. They should be fired. It's that simple. You, you cannot behave like that in a classroom setting. You can't let your emotions get the better of you. You can't, uh, you just can't. You, you can't do that. And again, this is one of the things that unfortunately happens when, when teachers stop teaching their subject and they start paying attention to other things and they start to become more of a babysitter or more of a disciplinarian when it really is their job to, to instruct and be an effective instructor. You can't take instruction from this kind of a person. You just can't. Here's the last thing I'll say about it, and then I'll wrap this up. One of the other mistakes that gets made, and I may have spoken about this at the very beginning of this podcast back in October of 2020, but one of the unfortunate things that does happen, and you can you can see it, and you can you can sense this from a mile away, but there will be people who re-enter the education business to be a school teacher to essentially relive the old days, quote unquote. They'll go back, sometimes even to the very school where they were, where they themselves were a student. But in her particular case, if I was to analyze this just a step further, I'd say that she's living out or trying to relive her childhood trauma, so to speak in school as a student, and now she's in charge. So that dynamic does happen, where an, where an individual will re-enter a work environment that they, dist you know, that they didn't like as a student, maybe, and, and they saw different things when they were a child that they didn't like, and they, and they say to themselves, you know what, I'm going to go back, I'm going to do it differently, but I'm going to do it based on my own neuroses and my own uh, sort of peccadilloes with particular people. So back in the day, if I didn't like football players, then as a school teacher, I'm going to return and make fun of football players. Um, you know, if I was a cheerleader back in the day and a popular cheerleader, I'm going to return to school and I'm going to be the cheerleading coach. And then I'm going to remind everybody that I was the cheerleading coach or, a, you know, a popular cheerleader when I was in school and when I was their age. There are too many people in the K-12 business that do that. They return to either rewrite their, their previous history or they return to relive it 
just as an adult and then sort of flex their muscles because now they view themselves as being in a power position. You know, one of the things that I said to John Clement when he was a guest on a couple episodes ago is you have to view the position of teaching in my in my view anyway as a mission of instruction. It has to be factual instruction and that's the job. The job is not popularity contests. The job is not to put down students. The job is not to do those things. And then I would take it a step further and I'd say if you start calling it a job, it's time for you to it's time for you to quit. It's time for you to find something else to do, whether that's somewhere else or that's a completely different uh, a, a, you know a completely different level of employment in a totally separate avenue of the workforce. But the moment that I started calling it a job, I remember where I was when it happened, and that's when I said, oh no, I just called it a job. I've never done that before. I should probably walk away. And I did, because then it became work. It was never work before then. It was never a job. It was just a mission. It was a mission of factual instruction. As far as this teacher is concerned, they're way past that point. They're way past that mental check mark. They've blown right through that checkered flag where the race is over. They've blown right through it and they just keep going around the track. And that only makes things worse for themselves in the long run. And it's certainly going to make things worse for the students in their presence. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.